Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Now, Father, take your word. Let the anointing of the Holy Spirit rest on your servant. Grant him revelation and utterance from you. In Jesus' name, amen. We have talked the last four weeks about the book of Philippians. We went into the background of it. We went back to the city of Philippi and how the church was started, how God started it through a Jewish prayer woman named Lydia, a teenager who'd been delivered from demons, and a pagan Roman jailer. We talked about how he grew the church and how it became arguably Paul's favorite church. He says, I have no one else of like mine. No one else partnered with me. We talked about the power of spiritual partnership, of how Paul had the Philippian church in his heart and how he poured out his heart in prayer for them daily, about how they partnered with him through their own prayers and through the financial investment for his needs. We talked about the beauty of not walking around with an entitled mentality, how a partnership involves and requires mutual investment. We talked about how God used the circumstances that Paul was in, even though his, his circumstances was incarceration. He was in jail in Rome when he, when he wrote this. We talked about verses 12 and following, about how God was using his circumstances to be a testimony of Jesus, and how God wanted to use our own adversity for a testimony of Jesus. We talked about verse 19, about how God uses the supply of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead by the power of God dwells in every believer, but how He also uses the vehicle of the prayers of others. He says there in verse 19, it'll turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus. In other words, there's something at work on the inside to deliver me, and there's something He's going to use on the outside, the prayers of other people, to bring about my deliverance. We talked about that at great length in the last couple of weeks. So today we pick up with verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, that is, of being lost and separated, but of to you, but to you of salvation and that from God. For it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only for you to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. What conflict is that? Well, he just described it in verses 20 and following. I have a conflict, he says. I desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain with you is more necessary, and I know that I shall remain and continue my assignment of bearing fruit for your behalf. 
If it was up to me, Paul said, I'd rather die and be with Christ, for that is gain. But my assignment is not done. And so I will be staying here and bearing fruit and serving you. I want us to go back to that first sentence there in verse 27. Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. You know, we live in a permissive age. Have you watched the media lately? We live in a, listen, what Ashley and Otis are doing, and one reason why I wanted to introduce what they're doing, is so far, so far out of the mainstream of our culture in our, in our country and even in this world today. What they're doing, calling young people to walk in the grace of God and walk and live a life of purity in the area of sexuality. Now, I want all you young people to listen to me. I know on every venue, through your music, through television, through movies, what you're hearing today is that the expression of, of sexual intimacy is normal and natural and always okay. I want you to listen to your pastor this morning. The expression of sexual intimacy is a marvelous, wonderful gift from the Creator. It is for two reasons. It is for procreation, that is the birthing of people created in the image and likeness of God. And it is also for the enjoyment and the fulfillment and the intimacy of a man and a woman who are married. There are no exceptions to God's design for sexual intimacy. That is His highest and best. Period. And God will give you the grace to do whatever it takes to walk and carry your conduct in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is it easy? No. God will give you the grace. You don't hear me talk like this very much. But I am extremely troubled by what I see, not just in the culture, but in the body of Christ. Pastor, what do I do if I've stepped over the line and violated God's highest and best? Call on the mercy and grace of God. Receive His forgiveness and start anew and afresh. God says that He will make all things new. Well, if I violate God's desire and His design for sexual expression to be limited to the marriage bed, then can I be forgiven? Absolutely. Can I have grace? Yes. Can I start again? Absolutely. But if you continue to violate God's highest and best, you're going to have to deal with baggage. And you know what? Life is hard enough 
without walking around with baggage. So go before God. Receive His grace. If you have stepped out of line of God's highest and best, go before God. Receive not only His forgiveness, but step into His grace for, in, for His enabling you to live out His highest and best. Otherwise, your life is going to have a fabric of baggage that is always going to keep you from experiencing God's highest and best. And you don't want that. Boy, that's a hard word for today, Pastor. I know it is. I know it is. But God will give you the grace to obey His Word. And listen to me. I don't care what your past has been. You can start today right where you are by the grace of God. That's the beauty of the grace. Start today. Start today. If any man be in Christ, everybody say, that's me. He is. Not he was. He is a new creation. Let our conduct, Lord, be worthy of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. That is not just from those who think you're uncool. Is not just from those who reject you or isolate you or who make fun of you. It is also the suffering that you have to go through to bring those old fleshly desires in line with the life of the new life of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. It's not an easy journey. It is not an easy journey. And it requires a disciplined going back to the Lord over and over again and choosing to walk in His highest and best when everything in your flesh doesn't want to. I bet your flesh is just like mine. All it wants is its own pleasure. That's all it wants. Can I tell you something? I've lived with my flesh almost 66 years. It's not getting any better. Yours isn't either. Oh, it might be more educated and more refined, and it might be more congratulated, but if you look at what the Bible says is the manifestation of the flesh, it is not pretty, and it's not getting any better. The good news is Jesus Christ has taken your flesh and my flesh and the power of it, and he nailed that power of the flesh to the cross and has given us the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit that in cooperation with him we have more than enough power and grace to walk by the Spirit and not obey the lusts and pulls of the flesh. The flesh doesn't go away, but its power has been broken by the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody say it with me. I make the decision. He makes the provision. You decide, and he provides. You're not going to do this by yourself. You're going to have to partner up with Jesus. Therefore, if there is any, chapter 2, verse 1, any consolation, any encouragement in Christ, and any comfort of love, any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, 
be having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. How many of you know that the, the heart of God is to bring unity among His children? Now, if you don't like the way things are going here, if you've got something against me, I would like to know it and meet with you. But don't go around criticizing or poisoning one of the sheep here. If I see you going around and criticizing one of the sheep here, you're going to have to deal with me now because that's part of my job. I can be a sweet man. You understand that? And I usually am. But I can talk to you real straight too. Don't poison the atmosphere and the unity of this church. Let nothing be done, verse 3, through selfish ambition or conceit. That is, don't let an, a concealed motive be what you're always after. But in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's read verse 4. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. What he's saying here is this. He is not saying you need to put yourself down and beat yourself up and try to build somebody up by tearing yourself down. No, he's talking about I want you to excel in the esteem of others recognizing their value. How many of you know that the, there's only one way to really be able to recognize the value of others and not get mad when you're trying to serve others? Let me show you how you do that. Hold your place there. Turn back to John chapter 13. Here's the way that you esteem others and serve others the way the Lord wants you to. Here's the way you do it. This happened on the last night of Jesus' life on the earth. Right before he was crucified, Verse 3, chapter 13 of John. John 13, verse 3. Jesus, what's this? Knowing. The word knowing there in the Greek means absolutely being totally, totally assured. Jesus being totally assured that the Father had given all things into his hands. And that he had come from God and was going to God, what did he do with that? Knowing that he was the king of the universe, everything belonged to him, that he had come from God and going back to God. Is that a secure place or not? Knowing that, look what he did with it. He rose from supper, laid aside his outer garments, took a towel, girded himself, poured water into a basin, and began to bathe the feet 
of the disciples. Are y'all getting that? The way you serve, the way you serve is by knowing how your father feels about you. Because once you know that you came from him, you're going back to him, and that he has put all things he's assigned you under your feet, once you know that, then you are free to serve because you don't have any agenda that is met by man. You, are, you don't have an agenda to make your boss recognize you. You don't have an agenda to make somebody like you or put you into a club. You don't have an agenda by serving other than knowing that you are serving the only one who really matters. You came from him. You're going back to him. He's put all things under your feet. You are absolutely secure. Now you can take your service to a new level. The way to really serve is to know just how valuable you are in the eyes of your Creator and Redeemer. God, give us revelation of it. It's not by beating yourself up and tearing yourself down like religion would try to get you to do. Let me tell you something. Religion's got the fingerprints of the devil on it. This is about recognizing how your Father feels about you that frees you up to serve and, and fulfill the assignments that he's given you. He knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. And he knew that all things were under his feet. Well, what does that have to do with me, Pastor? Do you believe what the Word says about you? Why would you be unduly impressed with anybody if you really understood that you are the king's daughter. You are the king's son. Your citizenship is in heaven. You have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. You're more than a conqueror through him who loved you. He has created you. He has redeemed you. He has chosen you. He has ordained you. He has gifted you. He has empowered you. What more significance do you need than what God and how God already sees you. When you see yourself the way your father feels about you, then you will be set free to serve people. Sometimes when I get a little too full of myself, I'll go into a restaurant and I am about to leave and the Holy Spirit will say, uh, say to me, leaving the bathroom, pick up the pick up the paper that people have thrown on the floor. Oh, dear Jesus. God, how do I know what's on those paper towels that have been on the, that are on the floor? We'll just pull you off a new one and pick them up with that if you need to, but pick them up. Man, we were blowing and going in ministry years ago. I mean, we had a place, many of you came there, where we, we just packed it out every single time, and we were blowing and going, and as the Lord would have it, one day, and I'm not saying God did this, 
but he allowed it to show me something. One day I was dressed up in my suit and I was raring to go and I heard something in the bathroom. The toilet was overflowing and it had been used. <laughs> in more than one way, John, that toilet had really been used. And all the water and all the other stuff you can fill in the blanks for yourself was flowing out on the ground. As I locked myself in that overflowing room and began the task of dealing with that, <laughs> I needed a revelation <laughs> that I had come from him and was going back to him. And in the meantime, I was king over anything I had to go through. Because I want to tell you, Billy, it hit the fan that day. And I know some of you have that image in your mind of trying to get it out of mind. When we begin to get revelation of how our Father sees us, that sets us free. You don't have to look at whoever's, whoever is there you're trying to please. You sign up to please the only one who created you and redeemed you, and then you will be free to serve. You see, that's what he's saying here in verse 5. Let this mind be in you which is in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. He was in the form of God. He was absolutely equal to God. He was a member of the Godhead. But he, he didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God. He was already equal with God. He made himself of no reputation, taking on himself the form of a bondservant, somebody who was free but chose to serve. And coming in the likeness of men, he, found, he was found in appearance as a man, and he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, listen what God did. When God saw this humbling and serving, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. Every angelic being, every human being, every demonic being will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. So there's our example. How do you get promoted by God who can promote you by sundown? You do it by humbling yourself and serving. Jesus said, the greatest among you shall be your what? Your servant. Jesus said there in Luke 18, 14, if you exalt yourself, you will be humbled. But if you humble yourself, you will be exalted. 1 Peter 5 says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace, favor, and ability to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Why? So he can beat you up and slap you around? No, no. No, no. Read it. 
1 Peter 5, 5 through 7, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the right time. God wants to exalt his sons and daughters, not beat them up. He wants to build you up. He wants to promote you. But you can't get in the atmosphere of God's promotion until you humble yourself and take on the high office of service. Service. God, open my eyes to see how you would desire me to serve. I see so many people in this church who have asked for an opportunity to serve. People who stay long after these services are over and take everything down and make sure they're protected and in the right place. People who come at 8 o'clock this morning to serve and help you have an experience and an encounter with the Lord. I see so many things that are constantly being done that all they want is to serve. That tells me they're secure. They're secure. Let's ask the Lord, God, show me what my assignment is and give me revelation of how you feel about me so that when I know that I am a king and a priest in your eyes, I am free to serve at any level you choose. So, Pastor, are you saying that the right, the right attitude for me that will motivate me to serve is finding out how well my father thinks of me? Absolutely. Because I can tell you this, after observing this as ministry for over 50 years, people who serve out of guilt and shame don't get very far. Those who serve at a high level and keep on serving serve out of love and gratitude and recognition that it is the Lord they're serving, not man. Would you stand with me? Would you pray this with me, mighty Father? In the name of Jesus, give me revelation of how you see me. I want to know beyond any shadow of a doubt that I've come from you, that I'm going back to you. And then in the meantime, you have given me authority, the right to rule in every situation of my life through Jesus Christ. Now set me free to serve. Help me to understand the recognition that I have as your child and walk in the security of that knowledge. Let's all sing this chorus together that we sing every week. He who began a good work.
know, I want to say something that the Lord gave me after we left last, last Sunday. I talked to those of you who have children that you have a challenge right now not to enable them. I made the statement that many young people today want and expect to start where their parents are finishing. The spirit of enablement, entitlement is all over our culture and even in the church. If you have some issues along those lines, and I'm talking to those of you with older and even adult children, you still need to stand with them. You still need to fight with them. Just don't fight for them. Don't try to fix it for them. And if it comes to a point to where they will take no responsibility for themselves, unfortunately there is that painful time when you have to allow them to experience the consequences of never taking responsibility for their choices. But hopefully, by the grace of God, eventually, they'll get it and connect with His love and grace. Stand and fight with them, just not in their place if they're older children or adults. going to be in for a real treat this week. I'd like for you to pray for Dean and me. We travel to minister in Chattanooga on Thursday night and I have to be in Destin, Florida Friday afternoon for another ministry assignment. It'll be quite a 24 hours of travel. We are always grateful for your prayers. We love you. Father, would you bless these, your children, your sons and daughters. Open up new opportunities to serve this week. Send new levels of blessing into their finances, into their health, but especially into their intimacy with you. Give them greater revelation of who you are and how you feel about them. Now bless them now in the name of Jesus. Amen. See you next week. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.